Today is Mission and Outreach Sunday. It's a Sunday that we've devoted to talking about outreach here in the church with Mission and Outreach. And um, some of you, as you start to think about it, like, and we think about Mission and Outreach and we think about God's call for us to serve others and do all this, we might begin to think about this just in terms of duty. And I want to kind of really turn it around today and um, with a bit of danger, which I'm going to own and talk about. But I want to talk about what we get out of it. I want to talk about the benefit we get out of serving others. And the danger and the risk that we run is that you'll think mission and outreach is about you. And it's not. So make sure through everything I say today that you remember that. But I want to talk about what we get out of it. And the the beginning place that I want to start um, talking about this is just thinking about a passage of Scripture from Matthew 10, where Jesus is uh, teaching his disciples and talking to those who are following him. And he says, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you, because it's easy, my burden is light, and you'll find rest. And this idea that if we want to find rest, and we want to find well-being, and we want to find wholeness, that it involves taking on this yoke. It involves submission. It involves doing something this way. And that's kind of the overarching theme about what I'm going to talk about, is we lean into God's call to us to serve, we're going to find all these things coming back our ways, our, the, these blessings, the burden being lifted, all these different things. So, so that's what I want to do. It's dangerous because I don't want you to think outreach is about you, but I do want to focus today on kind of what the benefits are because I just want to come at it from a different angle today. And when we look at Jesus's life, I mean, I do have to start by owning that Jesus teaches his followers that it is about service. Like Jesus, when he goes around, he's teaching how to serve others, how to be about other people, about going into the margins, about healing, about looking at the needs, about having compassion. He's doing all of that again and again. And I've said it before, and I'll probably say it always, that I think it's really, really important that on the last night before Jesus dies, he takes time out of that night to wash the feet to do the work of a slave at the time, wash the feet of the people, his followers, and to tell them, I'm, I'm doing this by example, and I'm telling you in person that I'm doing this so you can see this is what it's about. This is an example of what it's about. And Jesus' call to us is to follow in that way. He tells us that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And today in our gospel lesson, he's reminding us that as we think about serving others, that every single person has been given talents. And how are you going to use them? Are you just going to hold on to them and try to keep them safe? Are you going to lean into this call and try to let the fruit that God wants to be born happen? That's part of what he's saying in our gospel lesson today. We're reminded that Jesus calls us in this world to be his hands and feet. He calls us to do the things he did. He calls us in this time to be about spreading the gospel, about telling people the good news of God's love and mercy and grace that beckons them into a better place, that accepts them the way they are, but calls them to something more, that he does that, that we hear and see Jesus' example and call that we're to serve others in his name, that we are to see the dignity of every person as part of our baptismal covenant. We'll see the dignity of every single person and that whatever your talents are, 
there are very many different avenues of what talents you have and how you're going to use them, but you've got talents that God intends for you to use. And the question I want to pivot from there is the one I started kind of mentioning is, why do we do that? And if, if we focus on, I mean, there, there are a ton of passages that I could quote and tell you about how Jesus tells you, you need to go do this, and this is what it means to be a disciple, and so on and so forth. But I don't want to do that today. What I want to do is just be a little bit selfish and just tell you well, there's lots in this for you and paint a little picture about the blessings that you'll get, about the joy you can get, about the fulfillment you can get as you lean into this and as you serve others in the name of Jesus in lots of different fashions. And I want to give you five different things to think about and ponder this week about what it is that we receive or what the impact is as we engage in this kind of ministry. The first of which we did back during our discipleship sermon series a bit, but talking about the role of engaging in this as a way of maturing us in Christ. And as we think about that, I want to read a passage of Scripture from Ephesians 4. And um, this is from the message translation, but it's um, St. Paul in Ephesians 4 saying this. He says, he, he handed out gifts of apostles, prophet, evangelists, pastor, teacher, to train Christians in skilled servant work, in skilled servant work working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. This idea that if we want to be mature, it's going to involve us serving others. And I think back about the mentors I've had in my life. I've had a bunch, some, even some in the room, but I think about Sandy Miller, the guy that was the, the vicar at Holy Trinity Brompton where I served for a year. And uh, Sandy Miller talked a little bit about this. Sandy Miller said, this is, this is what he said. He said, the test of spiritual maturity is the ability and willingness to serve God and others through good works. It's learning to love and serve the unlovely. It's valuing those whom the world has discarded. That's part of what it means to grow as a mature disciple. And we talked about that in that discipleship series. But the first reason we do it is because if we want to mature, if we want to grow, if we want to go to the next step, if we want to keep moving into this, it's going to involve service. It's going to involve loving people. It's going to involve looking after the people that nobody else cares about. Or it's going to be about enabling ministry in this place, helping worship to happen, all the different things that take place, all the different ways that we serve. The second reason of the five that I would give is because it's what we're made for, right, in a way. And because of that, we find a deep fulfillment in it. I've, I've, if you go read the book of Ephesians again, St. Paul says that we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ. Where's workmanship created for good works in Christ? And so when we do those good works, we're leaning into the very purpose for which we were made. And because of that, we find a deep fulfillment in that. Something that nothing else will scratch that itch. I want to give a couple quotes today from a, a book I read a number of years ago 
by Philip Yancey, um, who is the editor of Christianity Today, and he's a, he's a great writer and thinker. Um, but he wrote this book where he chronicled the number of people in the church that provided inspiration. And one of the people along the way that really impacted him um, was a guy named Dr. Paul Brand. And in fact, he co-authored a book with Paul Brand called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. But towards, and Paul Brand was sort of like a second dad to him. And towards the end of his life, uh, Philip Yancey did, I'm gonna, this isn't the way they would call it, but I'm gonna say a victory tour or a nostalgic tour with Paul Brand. Paul Brand was a physician. He was a hand surgeon. His wife, Margaret, was a physician also. And they both decided that God was calling them to go be missionaries in India. So he spent his whole career in India. And in India, he, his ministry was to help with um, leprosy and all the folks who had leprosy in India. That's what he, he formed a community there and worked on that. But he did this tour with Philip Yancey towards the end of his life where they went to the UK, where he'd gone to medical school, where he'd received an offer to come on faculty and all this before he went to India. And um, this is what Philip Yancey says about that. Um, and this is um, what Paul Brand says. Because of where I practice medicine, I never made much money at it. But I tell you that as I look back over a lifetime of surgery, the host of friends who once were patients bring me more joy than wealth could ever bring. I first met them when they were suffering and afraid. As their doctor, I shared their pain. And now that I'm old, it's their love and gratitude that illuminates the continuing pathway of my life. It's strange. Those of us who involve ourselves in places where there is the most suffering look back in surprise to find that it was there that we discover the reality of joy. He went on to quote scripture. He says, Happy are they who bear their share of the world's pain. In the long run, they will know more happiness than those who avoid it. So there's the second thing that we think about is we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ. And when we lean into that, we find something deep, something that nothing else will, will scratch that itch. The third of the five things I want to say today is that as we do this, we gain the respect of the world. We get a voice in the world that we wouldn't have as we lean into the needs of the world, as we lean into those who nobody wants to care for or, you know, they're just don't get what they need, right? And we think about this, how in Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I think about that. You want the respect of the world, that's how you do it. Back in about the year 1986, when the um, head of the UN was going to introduce Mother Teresa to the UN Assembly, when all the top leaders of the world were gathered, she got to address them all. And um, de Couillar was his name. But as he went to induce her, introduce her, he used one sentence to say everything. He said, more or less, to the crowd, let me introduce to you the most powerful woman in the world as she came, came to the podium. She had that voice and that place and his respect because of the stuff she did in India and in Calcutta and it, that her sisters of mercy did around the world. There's a real sense in which we gain a voice that we would never have and a respect we would never have if we, the church, don't follow Jesus into these places. 
And I want to just tell one more story from uh, Philip Yancey as he followed Paul Brand around on that final journey before Paul Brand died. And this has to do with a guy named Sadan, who was one of his patients. And um, I've always loved his story. It always encourages me. But Sadan is one of these guys who had leprosy, who came to him as a complete outcast. And I'm going to read part of what he says, but part of what always impacted me is the way Sadan talks about having leprosy. Even as he was writing this, he tells the story about how society would always put him on the side. And he tells a story, which I cannot imagine. I did a wedding last night, and I'm just thinking about this. But when Sadan's daughter married, he had to sit in the car and watch the windshield because he was afraid about how people would respond to a leper being there. That's the kind of pain this guy knows. But this is what he says. And um, the one thing you need to know as I read this is Velour is the name of the compound that the brands um, established in India. He says, when I got to Velour, I spent the night on the brand's veranda because I had nowhere else to go. That was unheard of for a person of leprosy. Back then, I can still remember when Dr. Brand took my infected, bleeding feet in his hands. I'd been to many doctors. A few had examined my hands and feet from a distance. But doctors Paul and Margaret were the first medical workers who dared touch me. I'd nearly forgotten what human touch felt like. Even more impressive, they let me stay in their house that night. And this was even when health workers were terrified of leprosy. Sadan then recounted the elaborate sequence of medical procedures performed by the brands. By transferring tendons to his fingers, they made it possible for him to write again. And now he kept accounts for a program that gave free leprosy care through 53 mobile clinics. He spoke for half an hour. His past life was a catalog of human suffering. As the Brands and I sipped our last cup of tea in his home just before leaving to catch a plane to England, Sadan made this astonishing statement. Quote, Still, I must say that I am now happy that I had this disease. Happy? I asked, incredulous. Yes, replied Sadan. Apart from leprosy, I would have been a normal man with a normal family, chasing wealth and a higher position in society. I would never have known such wonderful people as Dr. Paul and Dr. Margaret, and I would never have known the God who lives in them. It's a reminder to us that part of leaning into what Jesus would have us do gives us a voice like nothing else. It gives us respect like nothing else, and all these different things that it does. That's part of what it means to live into the outreach and the mission that Jesus has called us to. The fourth thing that I would say is, as we do this, as we, the church, lean into holding up those whose society wants to discard or whatever, as we engage in our baptismal covenant of holding up the dignity of every person world over, not just the U.S., not going to get political, but we're called as higher Christians, as citizens of above, to care about the dignity and worth of every human on the planet. As we do that, as we engage in that, it's, it helps us appreciate more our own dignity and the own love and our, the love that Jesus has for us and God has for us and our dignity and worth. It's a blessing we get 
as we uphold the dignity of every person, we also find our own dignity reinforced and affirmed. That's the fourth thing I would say. The final thing I would say is pushing now into a little bit more more of the mysterious part. The mysterious blessing that we get. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 25, when when he's doing this judgment scene, but he says, whenever you've done it to the least of these, those in prison, those sick, those who don't have clothes, all those kinds of things. Whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And what's implicit in that is that as we do those things, we have an encounter with Jesus. And it's interesting to me, the people who do the hardest mission outreach in the world will tell you that they're not able to do it if that statement wasn't true. It's only because they see and encounter Christ and the people that they serve that they're able to do these things. I'm going to give you two different people saying that just to think about, right? I think when I think about in the world who's done the hardest work, I always think about Mother Teresa with the caste system and those discarded, those who were dying alone in the streets, and her ministry picks that up. But she says this, She says, if our sisters did not see the face of Jesus in these unfortunate persons, this kind of work would be impossible. It'd be impossible. But but listen to what she's saying. you, You can read that and not get it. When we engage in that work, we encounter Christ. Henry Nouwen, um, the great spiritual writer um, who passed away last century, writes about this. He says this, how is it possible to keep caring for the poor when the poor only get poor? How is it possible to keep nursing the sick when they are not getting better? How can I keep consoling the dying when their deaths only bring more grief? The answer is that they all hold a blessing for me, a blessing that I need to receive. Ministry is first of all receiving God's blessing from those to whom we minister. What is a blessing? It's a glimpse of the face of God. Seeing God is what heaven is all about. We can see God in the face of Jesus. We can see the face of Jesus and all of those who need our care. There are so many ways that we encounter Jesus as we engage in mission and outreach. And I want you to to think about, again, the danger. I don't want to make this about you. But there's incredible benefits as we lean into mission and outreach. We'll find out that we, we mature as we do that. We find that we find fulfillment in what we were made for. We find that we get the respect of the world. We find that our own dignity and worth is upheld. And we find that, that we have a mysterious encounter with Jesus as we do it. There's tons of things that we gain. The last part of this sermon, I want to invite uh, Shanta Baran to come up. If you haven't met Shanta, I want to introduce Shanta. She's in charge of mission and outreach at St. Michael and All Angels. And um, so I want to just ask her a few questions. First of which, Shanta, is um, we have happily at a church this size, we have many, many different opportunities for mission and outreach. If somebody wants to begin to learn those, what's a resource? How do we do it? Sure. You can take a look at our website. We've got a new website. It's stmichael.org backslash Outreach Sunday, and there we've got some of our major opportunities from now until the middle of December, including North Dallas Shared Ministries, 
I Believe in Angels, which is a gift selection uh, partnership with our South Dallas neighborhood, and Heart of Giving, which is an opportunity to donate to several of the ministries that we support here. Sounds great. I want to ask you about a few of the ones you want to feature in just a second. But we, we do everything from local things. There's a real, extent, um, a real place in which even serving here in the service is part of that. We're always looking for more volunteers, more acolytes, all those kinds of things. But beyond our walls, there's all kinds of ways to serve. You can go check out the website and see those because they, they all matter. Are there some of those you want to feature in particular or was that it? Or do you want to those are the ones, <laughs> but there are more that are coming. And actually, if you go to the serve tab on the St. Michael website, you'll find a list of other opportunities to serve. And the website that I shared um, also features an inquiry card or an inquiry form so that if you want to learn a little bit more about what we do or how you might want to be involved, or if you just want to pray for us or be in touch with us, please complete that form and we would be happy to be in touch with you. So we've got all of these ones that, that she's featuring right now. They're coming that we have needs for right now, but there are many, many more. We have international missions, Honduras Threads. We go to Amistad. We got all of those. And if you've never done that, if you can do that, those are always fantastic. Once COVID lifts a little bit, we're, we're hopeful about that. I will tell you, as we talk about the mysterious encounters with Jesus, one of the most powerful ones I had was on my very first international mission down in Honduras. We had this moment where I was on a trip where we were doing medical, pharmacy, construction, education, all these different ministries, and we had a break. And we went up, this was in a little outskirt of Tegucigalpa, a place called Villa Nueva, and we went up this dusty, rocky hill. Nobody's got running water, nobody's got electricity. And we get up to the top of this hill, and there's this little cabin, have a house, as they all were. And this little eight-year-old girl comes running out to greet us. And she was so full of excitement that we were coming up to see her. But we could hardly not stare at her. Because if you looked at her, she had, um, the story we got as, the story, as, it went, as it went on is that when she was about six years old, she had reached up on the stove, wood-fired stove, that's all they have, with a pot of boiling grease and poured it down on her. And the top of her head was nothing but a big scab. And she had little bits of hair around the, around the side. And one of the women that was on this trip had this beautiful denim hat with a brim. And she took it off and gave it to her. And this little girl put it on her head. She, was, she began to cry with joy. The woman who gave it to her began to cry with joy. The whole team began to cry. And this moment, like I just, to this day, I still remember it, how palpable it was that Jesus was in that moment. And that happens again and again. That was an international trip. We have those. When COVID, when we get relief from COVID, those are going to be vibrant again. But we have many things that we can do now, locally, and also um, these international ones that are going to develop as we go along. Um, Shanta, let me ask you a question. If somebody today says, I want to do something, I, like I want to commit, or I want to take the next step, or I want to reach out to you, what, what can they do? Sure. As I mentioned earlier, we have an inquiry form. You can complete that. It's on our website. Or you can just email me. My email address is cbhan at stmichael.org. And I would be happy to engage with you. Thank you, Shanta. Let's say a prayer as we, um, as we wind up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us and giving us worth. For making all of us the world over in your image. Help us, Lord, to love you and serve you by seeing the dignity of every person, 
and seeking to serve the needy near and far in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.